Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the well here at STSA. Um, hope you're enjoying those trivia videos as much as I am. So th those are those are so that's some fun stuff right there. Um, if you're just joining us, we're actually in the middle of a series. We're in part three of a series called Digging Deeper, Treasures of the Ancient Faith. Um, and what we've been discussing throughout this time um, is where did our ancient faith first, like, like where did we get our ancient faith from? What was kind of the spark? And that's where we talked about in the first week, like the death and resurrection of Christ and how Christ passed down the church to his apostles and through the Holy Spirit and through holy tradition, the church kept being passed down through many generations. Um, and then we said we're going to look into certain treasures in the church. Okay, so last week we looked at a main treasure, which is the divine liturgy, the liturgy of the Eucharist. And we talked about how the liturgy in and of itself is beautiful. The prayers are beautiful. The, the, the Eucharist itself, what did the early church believe about the Eucharist and all those things. So we discussed that last week. So we're going to kind of continue on that theme or on that trend of looking at different treasures in the church. And I'll be honest, this is a series where we could probably do like a part two, part three, part four, part five, part infinity. Okay, so we kind of had to pick and choose like what topics we want to discuss and really ones that sometimes are challenging for us. So that's why last week we kind of did the liturgy because sometimes that's a challenging one to, to experience or somebody new that's coming in. What is the liturgy? What is it all about? Um, so hopefully uh, between the first couple of weeks, we kind of have a good solid foundation. So this week, we'll be talking about another treasure in our ancient faith, and that treasure is the saints. That's right. You heard me correctly, the saints. Okay, we could have gone in a lot of different directions, like I said. But I believe that the saints are a topic that is worth discussing because I believe it's one of the most misunderstood or sometimes even overlooked in our spiritual lives. Um, when I say saints, um, immediately you're thinking that's a weird treasure to pick, okay, because you know, we have a lot of things we could be talking about. Um, but this one, I truly believe that it's one of those things that when we don't really think about it, we don't understand, like, why is it that we have, like, this idea of, like, the saints in the church? And why is it that, like, we have we, one of our trivia questions about the commemoration of the saints and all this stuff? Like, why? Why is it that we do all this stuff? So we're going to, you know, stick together here and follow the logic of why this is such, like, a part of, of uh, our church and our ancient uh, Christian faith, okay? So the first thing we're going to talk about, okay, we kind of have to lay a foundation of why we believe in this idea of the saints to begin with and why it has like practical implications for me and you, not just something that we say or something that we believe, but actual practical implications for us. So that takes us back to the first week. If you remember the first week we talked about Christianity wasn't, it didn't come just because somebody handed us a book or some charismatic preacher got some weird message. It wasn't none of that. Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. His followers said it. People outside of Christianity concluded that he truly did die, and there's plenty of evidence for his resurrection. And that's kind of the spark for, Christ, for the Christian faith. And because Christ is risen as a result of that, Christ's death and resurrection, death no longer separates us from Christ. Okay, Death no longer separates us from Christ. Because okay? so that's kind of the first step. That's the first thing we have to agree on. If we truly believe in a death and resurrection, Death no longer separates us from Christ. Before the re resurrection, death was kind of the end, okay? And, and, and to, so to speak of the resurrection, it, or to speak of like our connection to God. But because when we, we, we died before the resurrection, we kind of died in our sins and we were disconnected from the source of life. Christ is the source of life. We didn't have that connection. But after the resurrection, death no longer has a hold on us, right? That's all like all the hymnology and, and like, especially during like the time of the resurrection. All the church, like, 
hymnology and the readings and, and all that stuff is about just that. Christ defeated death, he defeated sin, all that stuff. Death has no, no longer has a hold on us. So death can no longer separate us from Christ. Okay, so that's kind of the first, the first step. Okay, St. Paul says it this way in his letter to the Romans. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of the death and resurrection of Christ, nothing separates us. We're inseparable. Christ didn't just die and like forgive us our sins and that's it. He actually joined us to himself. We became inseparable. That's why when we say we're the body of Christ, that's what we mean. That he is the head, we're the body, we're part of him. We can't, that, that part, it can't be ripped away. We're forever his, okay? So the concept of death has been completely altered because of what Christ did. Okay, at least in the, in, the, in the believer's minds, like in our minds here, the, the, the idea of death has been completely changed. It has been completely altered. That's why you'll actually hear some strange things that we say in Orthodox prayers. Um, one of my favorite prayers that we pray, if you come at, uh, at, during Vespers every Saturday night, we pray this litany. It's called the Litany of the Departed. And in that Litany of the Departed, this is what we say. We say, remember, O Lord, the, ser- the souls of your servants who have fallen asleep. And then later on we say, for there is no death for your servants, but a departure. This is really interesting because what the church is teaching us through the prayers is that the way that we talk about death now after the resurrection is almost mocking it. It's almost like, oh yeah, falling asleep. If you guys remember the, the story of Lazarus, okay? Jesus said what to his disciples? He said, our friend Lazarus is asleep. So, and his disciples understood, he's like, he's taking a nap, okay? Like, and they're like, okay, he'll wake up. That was the response. He'll wake, if he slept, Lord, he'll wake up. What's the big deal? But that's what Christ was t- trying to show them is that in his presence, because he's the resurrection and life, in his presence, that's what death is. It's a nap or it's a departure. A departure, what do you think of when you think of departure? Somebody traveling to somewhere else. I am departing from this city to go to that city. It's a departure. Death doesn't mean the same thing as it used to mean. It has been completely changed. So that's the first truth, is that we have to believe that because of the death and resurrection of Christ, that death no longer separates us. You can call it sleep, you can call it departure, but we don't call it death, okay? And the church is very direct here and it says, for there's no death for your servants, but a departure. So if death can't separate us from Christ, then we who are alive are united in Christ because of what Christ did for us, but also those who have departed from this world, are also united with Christ. Okay, follow the logic so far? Death no longer has a hold on us. We are connected with Christ. Those who have departed are also connected with Christ. The second thing, the second foundational truth is this. Christ has united heaven and earth. Christ has united heaven and earth. Because of what Christ has accomplished, death can't separate, us from, can't separate any of us from him, but he also has united everything both heaven and earth, again, to himself. Everything is joined. He's the center. He's the head. Everything is connected to Christ. This is the, the initial image of humanity. When God created, like, Adam and Eve, he created a family, okay? And that family, nothing can separate God from his children. And that's why he, he did all these things for us, because that's the love of God. He never wanted us to be separated from him. St. Paul, in a, in, in a letter of the Ephesians, he says it this way. He says, He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, 
to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is part of the grand design of the story of salvation. Sometimes we limit the story of salvation to this much, but there's actually a grand design. Is that Christ didn't just die and our sins are forgiven and that's it. This, uh, the story goes on and on and on and on. All the blessings that God has bestowed on us. So if you follow the logic, Christ defeated death. Death no longer has a hold on any of us. Those who are alive and those who have departed are connected to Christ. They're joined to Christ. And then Christ has joined everything to himself. So we are also connected to Christ, but also to the rest of the body, those who have departed and those who are alive. Okay? And that's why when we say the church is one or the body of Christ and we use that, th like those terms, that's what we need to be thinking about is how connected we are to each other because of what Christ has done for us. Okay? When we kind of pave that logic or that kind of lay that foundation that way, it starts to make a little bit more sense of why we care so much about those who have departed. Okay? So we're going to talk about the saints today. And um, when I say that the word saint, again, if you didn't necessarily grow up in like, um, uh, you know, certain, certain denominations or different faiths or whatever, it's kind of an unheard terminology. Um, and the, the reason that we say saint, and some people will say, well, like, aren't we all saints? Like, for example, during the liturgy, the priest will say, the holies are for the holy, like the holy mysteries are for the holy people. And who is he talking about? You, I know, believe it or not, he's talking about all of us, okay? I know, it's a shocker. So the, we're talking about all of us, okay? The holy mysteries are for the holy people, and that's what saint means. Saint means holy. And we've been made holy through the work of the Holy Spirit and through baptism and all that stuff, and that's for sure true. But what makes it exceptional, what makes these people exceptional, is they didn't just do the bare minimum, but they exceeded expectations in their life with God, in their walk with God. If you wanted another term for saints, what I like to use is heroes of the faith, okay? The heroes of the faith. Because they're not just, they're not just people who said, I'm going to do the bare minimum for God. No, they had a unique, special, intimate relationship with God, and we can learn from them, okay? And in any area of life, this isn't weird, right? This is an area, area of life that you want to excel, you have people that you look up to, okay? It's the same thing with the saints in the church. Now, the question for me and you is, okay, I get it. They're part of us. That's fine. Whatever. What, what does that mean? How does this impact my day-to-day -day Christian life, my Christian walk with God? Because remember in that first week, I told you guys that everything that we do in the church or everything the church does is to what? To nurture our intimate union with Christ, our intimate relationship with Christ. So everything, including the saints, is designed to do that. If it doesn't do that, then we're not, we're not understanding it correctly or the practical applications are not correct. Okay? So the first way it impacts us, we're going to kind of go through um, the different ways that understanding this relationship with the saints and how we have relationship with the saints impacts us. Um, the first of those ways is that the saints are part of our church family. The saints are part of our church family. Wouldn't it be weird if you didn't care about your family? Like, think about that. Like, wouldn't it be weird? Wouldn't it, like, it's like one of the most natural things in, in, like, in humanity is that we care about family, like we care about our family. And that's why like, even if you look at like, non-humans, like mammals, like there's like protection and all this stuff, just natural. It's like natural we care about family. Imagine with me, imagine with me that you get to heaven, okay, and you see uh, a loved one that passed away, okay? 
and you see a loved one that passed away, a family member, and you see them and you say to yourself, you know what? You know, I had plenty of conversations with them on earth. Meh, no big deal. Not interested. That would be weird. That would be strange. That would be a strange reaction to seeing a loved one. Now imagine, again, you get to heaven and you see St. Paul, the apostle. And you're like, meh, St. Paul, what do you ever do? Like, no big deal. No big deal. Like, it's just St. Paul. Like, it's no big deal. Like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? It's St. Paul. Like, you don't have any questions for St. Paul? You, you, don't, you don't have any, like, you're not curious to even have a conversation with St. Paul? And it's not just because it's like a famous person, but it's even deeper than that. It's because St. Paul is family. He's part of your family, part of my family. Understanding this truth is actually like a regular manifestation of our faith in the resurrection, okay? Because of what we talked about before. When Christ made the two into one, we are one church. The resurrection isn't just a theory. It has a practical application that the saints are now part of our church family. St. Paul says it this way. He says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Whenever we read this verse, we don't really think about like, we think about the body of Christ in, in terms of like who's alive, like who's here on earth. But this is about the body of Christ at large all over the world and beyond this world. All of us are part of that one body. And the part that I love there that he says is, is that we all belong to each other, right? All the members belong to all the others. We're connected. We're connected to each other and we're connected to our family that's departed as well. Think of all the heroes of the faith that you admire or know about or even just even like barely heard of. Those great men and women of God are part of your family. And that should make you proud. You are part of their legacy. And to be honest, for a lot of them, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. One of my favorite things that um, I like to do, and I'm sure this is not just me, um, but whenever I'm around like my parents and stuff like that, I like when they tell stories. I, I, like, I love listening to stories, okay? And I love listening to stories about like their childhood and what their life was like because our lives are so different now. So like, what their lives were like. And then he tells about like how, what their parents' lives were like and their grandparents' lives were like. And you're like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. I can't believe that like that, like it's a different world. And it's so exciting to hear all those stories, right? And the reason that we love to hear those stories, again, is because it's, it's family. It's someone I have an actual relationship with. And who doesn't like to hear those stories because basically it gives you kind of like that sense of pride, like that this is like my family. Like, I belong to this. Wow. Look what it took for me to be here right now. Like, that's amazing. Okay? And if, you have, uh, if, if there's parents in here and saying, why don't my kids like to hear my stories? When they get older, okay? Like, when they're young, they don't care about your stories. But when they get older, they don't care about your stories. Um, in the same way, we carry that same legacy of the saints. Okay? So we are part of their story. And it's, it's, it's kind of amazing and humbling to think about that we're part of them and they're part of us. We should be honored and excited to learn about the heroes of the faith because of the great things they did for us and how it has impacted our lives today. St. Augustine um, says it this way. He says, Neither are the souls of the pious dead separated from the church, which even now is the kingdom of Christ. Otherwise, there would be no remembrance of them at the altar of God in the communication of the body of Christ. Do you guys see what he's saying there? It's actually interesting. What does he use in defense 
of the fact that the, the dead are not separated. He uses the liturgical prayers. He's basically saying the reason that we pray and the reason that we mention those who have departed is simple. is because we don't believe that they're dead. We believe that they're still part of the church, that they've departed, that they, are, they have traveled, they have fallen asleep, whatever. But we don't believe in death the same, the, the same way the world believes in death. This makes so much sense, especially think about in their times. This would be the most natural thing. St. Augustine has a friend who has a friend, and this person was martyred for their faith. Normal. Actually, they have their father and grandfather and whatever, and they travel to this city and whatever, and they preached, and they did, and they did, and they did, and they were martyred for their faith. To them, this was an everyday thing. And these were family members, like direct line family members. These were friends. It would be so natural for them, so natural for them, to not only think of them, but to actually mention them in their prayers. It would be so natural for them to include them in everything because they still felt that they were part of their family. They're never gone away. And because of this, we, the same way, are part of that family, that, that, that royal family, that great legacy of Christian men and women that have gone before us. C.S. Lewis uh, once was asked like, if he prays for the dead. And he says, of course I pray for the dead. He said, at my, he was talking when he was older. He said, at my age now, if I get up to pray and I don't mention the dead, what, what do I got to pray for? <laughs> like he says, like, th- this is, of course I pray for the dead. Like that, that's the most natural thing because these are my friends. This is family. And it doesn't just extend to people that we necessarily knew personally, but extends to the whole body of Christ. Okay? The saints are there and they're amazing and they're part of this great legacy and we take pride and it's awesome. But it doesn't, it can't end there. It can't stop there right? Like if my parents tell me all these great stories and all these things that they had to do and the sacrifices and whatever, and whatever I said, that is so great. That is fantastic. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go take a nap now. Like that's a weird response. That's a rude response. There has to be follow through. And that's why the saints aren't just part of our family, but even more than that, they inspire us towards holiness. The saints inspire us towards holiness. Again, if you think this idea of saints is, is like strange or weird or whatever, think about it this way. I, I imagine we have some like teachers in the room. Every teacher in the room, I can guarantee you, at one point or another, had an amazing teacher who inspired them to be a great teacher. Okay? Like, if you think about any, any, any area of your life. You have that one or two people in your life that inspired you to do great things. And it's the same way with the saints. This is the natural next step. When I read about a saint or I connect with a saint or I hear the story of so-and-so and whatever, the natural next step is that I'm inspired by their way of life and it leads me towards holiness. And this is where we have to be careful a little bit because it doesn't mean I have to mimic every aspect of their life and actually, quite actually, it's literally sometimes impossible to mimic every action of their life. But what it does do is it allows us to see the sacrifices that people made, the, the commitment and, in which they pursued God and how that can also lead us to holiness, holiness as well. St. Paul in his letter to the Hebrews, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. This is from Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 11, 
St. Paul was basically describing all the heroes of the faith. And you go, the Old Testament heroes. He goes through like Abraham and like all, all, these, all these heroes of the faith. So he says, we're surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses. And these saints who lived before us, they aren't just like out there in outer space doing whatever with no interaction with humanity. No, they have a relationship with us. And their life of godliness and fighting against sin, what they showed us, is that it's possible. Not only is it possible, but it's actually something to be desired. Because their lives, if you looked on the, on the surface, their lives, their lives were the worst. They didn't have easy lives. Their circumstances were rough. I, you, if you read some of their stories, you're like, I'm good. Like the, sometimes it's the opposite of inspiration. Like, no thank you. Okay? But what it shows us is that despite all those things, what they had on the inside in terms of their relationship with God, the joy, the peace, being content, are things that we're all running for, things that we're all thirsting for. There are so many saints and there's so many stories, so many lifestyles. You have, you have preachers, you have martyrs, you have confessors, you have apostles, you have everything. You have so, there's so many saints, fathers, mothers, whatever, children even. And all these saints, what they have in common is that they inspire us to fix our eyes on Christ and to continue to walk in that in faith and pursue holiness. St. Paul, when he's writing this letter, a few verses down, I didn't include there, uh, but basically what he says is, you have not yet resisted sin to bloodshed. And he says like, you, you can do a little bit more. He's saying, even when you feel like, when you feel like you're done, like you, you are just exhausted and you're worn out, he's saying, remember those cloud of witnesses because you can push more. They gave it their all. You got more in you than you think you do. Let them be your inspiration. Again, it's a, in a very real practical way. We have that relationship with the saints, not just because they are uh, people that we commemorate and we're like, okay, cool stories and whatever, but we can actually aspire to learn from them and to pursue our relationship with God. And on top of that, if you thought that was enough, why this is really a treasure, at least in my mind, and we'll spend a little bit of time here, why this is a, at least a, 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 like a really, really important treasure is because the saints are also eager to pray for us. The saints are eager to pray for us. The saints, you would think they did everything. Like if you're, imagine that you like you were living in the life of St. Paul. You went everywhere and you preached. You, you, at sometimes there was like shipwreck. Sometimes you got stoned. Sometimes people beat you and the only reason they stopped is because they thought you were dead. Okay, like that, that's like one of the, the accounts of St. Paul's life. And they did all this stuff. And eventually he was martyred for his faith and all this stuff and house arrest and whatever. Once they get to like, once their life is done, okay, on earth and they depart, you would think at that point that, okay, now I get to rest. Like enough, like uh, nothing else. Like what, what else is going on? But this, this is why this is important. Remember how I said they're family? Family cares about family. Like it's not like they're just up there in heaven hanging out and like not worrying about us. No. Saints are eager to pray for us. They want that relationship. They want that interaction. And that's a very real thing. It's not an imaginary thing. It's a very real thing. Because they are family, they care for us and they want to pray for us. Now, to this, some people would say, okay, like, do I have to go, do, like, do I have to ask the saints for their prayers? Okay, sometimes that's like a little tricky topic and people say, do I have to ask the saints for their prayers? Can I just pray to Christ? Like, you know, like, 
can I just go kind of to the source? Like, why, why this roundabout way? And to that, I would say, for sure, you can go to Christ. Like, there's nothing that says, like, no, you can't pray. You should be praying to Christ, okay? You should be praying to God, of course. But what I'm saying is not you have to. I'm saying you get to. I'm saying this is, again, a beautiful treasure that you get to, something that you get to enjoy, something that you can benefit from. An additional, like, an addition, like you're not maximizing your benefit if you're letting this, if you're kind of overlooking this part of the faith. If you wanted an image of what this looked like in heaven, St. John the Beloved gives us a great image in the uh, book of Revelation. Okay? And this is, one of, uh, this is a quote that probably a lot of you are familiar with. He says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, or priests, fell down before the Lamb, Christ, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints on earth. Picture that for a second. Those who have departed, they're not worried about the day's agenda. Okay, like when you wake up Monday morning, you're going to wake up tomorrow, you're worried about the day's agenda. You got a checklist. Did I do the laundry correct? Did I mix the black with the whites and whatever and all this crazy stuff and the food? And They're not worried about that stuff. They're there before the Lamb, at His feet, before the throne of God. And because they're not worried or concerned about any of those things, they are there standing before the Lamb of God offering prayers, and specifically, our prayers. The saints on earth, our prayers. That's what they're doing. And if you read that, and you say, you know what, I'm good, I don't want their prayers. That's fine, that's on you. Like, I'll take your portion, okay? That's, that's okay, you don't need their prayers, that's fine. I'll take the prayers. Someone who's before the throne of God, I'll take their prayers. The same way that we pray for each other, right? When I, like, I ask you to pray for me and you ask me to pray. Like, we pray for each other, right? And St. James tells us that the, the prayer of a righteous person avails much or is, or is powerful and effective. If the prayers of a righteous person avails much, like, I love you, okay? And I'm, you could say the same thing about me. No disrespect, okay? I'll take the people before the throne of God over <laughs> our prayers, okay, to each other. Like, truly, you think their prayers are not powerful and effective before the Lamb? before the throne of God? Anyone who doesn't want their prayers, just come after the well, let me know, and I'll take, I'll take your portion, okay? Well, we'll write up a contract. Because truly what we're seeing here is that those who have departed, there's no separation between them and us. We belong to each other. That's the beauty of what Christ has done in his death and resurrection. St. Clement of Alexandria, he says it this way. He says, In this way is he, the true Christian, always pure for prayer, he also prays in the society of angels as being already of an angelic rank, and he is never out of their holy keeping. And though he pray alone, he has the choir of the saints standing with him in prayer. Talk about powerful. Who doesn't want that? That's amazing. Let's be honest. We struggle in prayer. We stand in prayer and we're distracted. We stand and, and you know what? Sometimes we're like, Okay, I've allotted this much time and you're maybe sometimes rushing or whatever. But we struggle in prayer. And it's a very natural human thing. Like prayer is supposed to be a struggle. Why not let them help us? Why not ask for help? Like that seems silly. That seems counterintuitive. If they're there, they're before the Lamb, like let's ask for their prayers. It seems like the most natural thing to do. If you wanted to understand what goes on in the mind of a saint, and why they would want to pray for us. St. Cyprian, 
um, before he departed, he said, it, he said it this way, which I, I really love. And I, I think this can be something that we could take for each other. Okay, here's what he says. He says, let us on both sides of life and death always pray for one another. Let us relive burdens and afflictions by mutual love. That if one of us shall go hence first, our love may continue in the presence of the Lord and our prayers for our brethren and sisters not cease in the presence of the Father's mercy. What I love about that is he's already preparing himself. He's, pre- he's setting the stage, so to speak. He's saying, hey, we pray for each other now, right? Well, when we depart, no matter who goes first, let's continue to pray for each other. Why? Because we're still connected. We're still family. And that applies not just to, to him and, and the people he's speaking to. It doesn't apply to just us. But it applies to people that have already departed. The one thing that I, I want us to kind of... Um, and sometimes, you know, we, we get distracted in terms of like the different treasures and whatever. But the one thing that I would love for us to take away from this is the fact that we belong to them and they belong to us. We belong to them and they belong to us. Because Christ has joined everything. And that, to me, is like one of the most special and beautiful like treasures of the church that maybe we don't think about too often. We think about a lot of other treasures in the church, but this is something that's special. Because what Christ is saying is, uh, it's not enough for me to just... You know, Christ basically gives us every opportunity possible, every treasure possible to unite with him. And in the end, we're not necessarily, like, we don't, we don't worship saints. I know that's like a, a misconstrued thing in, in, in Orthodox theology, but we don't worship saints. We don't do any of that stuff. But what we are saying is they're family, and we pray for each other, and they pray for us, and they inspire us, and they're there to lead us and show us the way. But more than that, they're eager to pray for us because as you see St. Cyprian here, their love of God overflows to the love of their family members. And that doesn't stop once they've departed. Not died, departed. Because we don't believe in death. We believe departed or fallen asleep. But we don't believe in death. So their prayers are so powerful and they are so loving that they're eager to pray for us. So it's up to us to ask them, to ask them to pray for us. There's plenty of ways that you can learn about, you know, uh, like early church fathers and, and, and like martyrs and, and the lives of the saints and all the stuff. And, and there's like countless and countless and countless and countless of stories. And some of them, like some of them, you might read a story and you might not connect with it, okay? But some of them, for whatever reason, you might connect with a piece of the story here or a piece of the story there. And because of that, you can take like a specific saint or like a patron saint and ask for their prayers, Okay. And if you don't know where to start, I'll give you two right off the bat that you can look into. We have two amazing saints here in our church, St. Timothy and St. Athanasius. Okay? You can start taking a look into those saints and seeing what about their story, what made them unique, and asking for their prayers. This is one of the most overlooked treasures, I think, in our church. And sometimes, it's a, a, a lot of times actually also misunderstood. Because, okay, like, are we worshiping saints? Why are we commemorating them? Why? Because they're family. It's simple. Sometimes, the, like the simplest things, we end up complicating it too much. Christ has joined everything to himself. We're part of that body of Christ. And because of that, because they are part of us and we are part of them, we forever belong to them and they will always want to pray for us and to make sure that we have that intimate union with Christ. Let's stand up and pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen.
Lord, we thank you for all your blessings, all, all the treasures, all the ways that you take care of us always, Lord. We're so thankful and honored that, that you're always guiding us and leading us and that you're always providing a way for us, Lord, to see you. And even, Lord, in, in your creation, you have given people this honor and this glory that none of humanity deserves, but you have chosen them to be examples for us, Lord. And not just examples, Lord, that we commemorate, but people that, that inspire us to, to have that relationship with you and inspire us, Lord, towards holiness and inspire us, Lord, to continue to ask for their prayers and to continue to walk in the path that is leading us to you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you accept our prayers, not just because of us, but because of the prayers of the one body of Christ, the whole church, all the saints, all the angels, everyone, Lord, that you accept our humble prayers today, Lord, and you hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory.